This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. friends, welcome back to the Worth Recovery Podcast, a podcast featuring women and sex addiction and recovery. My name is Amy, I'm your host here, and uh, I've been sober, I'm a sex addict, and I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. So today I am bringing you um, kind of a replay of an old episode. This episode never got a number because I recorded it in my car. And then I just released it straight from my car. It was like the first time I had recorded something in my car while I was driving. And uh, I wasn't really great at the whole, you know, add the intro and add this and do all that good stuff yet because I was just brand new. But several people have asked me about this episode because they couldn't find it because it didn't get a number. And because it didn't get a number, it didn't get archived and put on the website and all sorts of stuff. So I am re-releasing this episode. It's called The Cycle of Relationships. And I'm re-releasing it as episode 146. And in this episode, it's a little rough to listen to. It was one of the first times I recorded in my car, like I said, and so there's a lot of background noise, and I tried my best to filter that out, uh, but I just couldn't make it happen without it sounding super, like, robotic. Yeah. But since I've, I've learned so much since then. Anyway, um, this is the relate, this is the episode where I talk about my relationship with my family and how my early stages of recovery how that relationship went and how I learned to how I learned to continue to have relationships with my family and the cycle that I went through to get there. And that cycle still continues to this day for sure. So I'm going to replay this episode and then I'm going to do another episode about some of the current relationship issues or that I struggle. Yeah, the current relational and relationship issues that are struggling I'm struggling with in my current life. So first, we're just going to do this replay. Now, if you have listened to this before, this was way back when. Um, This was, let's see, this episode first got released in October of 2016. So it's been a couple years, so you probably wouldn't hurt to listen to it again um, and really think about your cycle that you go in and how you get back to a place of love and peace with the people around you. Um, And with that, uh, here it is, the cycle of relationships. Now, I'm doing another episode from my car. Are you so excited? Thoughts from my car. Now, I'm doing this because I have some thoughts I really want to share. And last time I did one from my car, I was driving home from my parents' house, or from my visiting with my family. And uh, today I'm driving to visit with my family. And uh, I just had some thoughts that I really wanted to share. A couple, well, I don't know, a couple weeks ago maybe. And uh, over the last few weeks, I have had several conversations with different women in recovery. Some are new, some have been in for a little while, some have been in longer than a little while. 
and we there's been a kind of common theme in these talks as we've talked about family relationships or um, relationships in general and how they've changed and evolved in recovery and how they've had to change and evolve in recovery. One of, one of the women explained to me and asked me, you know, like, how do you do it? How do you go visit your family knowing that, you know, some of your family's crazy? And, and then another woman asked me, she, well, she was just really struggling. She was really struggling with, you know, the whole idea that her family is not what she thought it was or the relationships that she has with her family are not what she thought they, what she want, what they were, what, not what she thought that they were. And I've talked to another woman who feels like she's coming to this conclusion that the relationships with her spouse or with her, with her siblings or with her children might not ever be what she wants them to be. They might not ever be the kind of relationship that she had wanted or dreamed about when she was a child. And so I've just talked to lots of different women about different types of relationships in their lives. And so I wanted to share just some thoughts that I've had as I've gone through this in the five years that I've been in recovery, five years and counting, because it'll be forever. But I just wanted to share a little bit about my my own journey. I remember my first couple weeks in therapy or my first couple months, (laughs) my therapist, my original one would probably say like my first year in recovery. And that's probably more, more truthful. So my first year in recovery, I remember saying things to my therapist all the time, like, or even in my recovery circles, like, I don't, I don't get it. Like my family is amazing. My family is so amazing and they are just awesome people. And I don't understand, like I never had any trauma as a child and I never had any, you know, massive issues or anything like that. Nothing horrible happened in my family and I'm the abnormal one. Like I'm the one that can't deal with this and I, I'm the one that's struggling and things like that. And I remember really thinking that when I first started recovery. And so I'm going to think about it or kind of relate it to like a circle, like a clock maybe. So I was at the top of the the circle at 12 o'clock and I was like, my family is amazing and they can do no wrong. And this is my problem and not theirs. And then I started like reading things and I started uh, talking to people about things that happened in their families. And and, and feeling like what they were explaining was traumatic. And then all of a sudden relating to that and realizing, wait, that happened in, in my family. And I remember the blinders coming off just a little bit. And my, you know, I started to move around this circle. Maybe I went from 12 o'clock, which was my family is amazing, to 1 o'clock, which said, okay, so maybe we might have some issues. Maybe. Maybe. I was at least willing to look at it. And then six months into recovery, um, my dad, well, my dad was, was dying. He had cancer and, and we, and I was, I had the privilege of coming home and taking care of him for two months before he passed away. And I remember being there and watching, I'd been in recovery and was in therapy about six months. And, and just even those six months, I had learned a lot about things and I remember being home with my family during those two months before my dad died and realizing that 
some of the things that were going on, I was not okay with. Some of the interactions that were going on, I I was not even close to okay with. And and before I would have just said, well, that's my problem. That it's me. I'm the one that has the problem. Like they're fantastic, but I'm the one that has the problem. And and I remember thinking, wait, I don't I don't know if this is my problem. And maybe my clock moved a little bit from one o'clock to two o'clock. And I was like, oh, I'm starting to move around this circle and starting to realize that maybe this isn't all me. Maybe there's more information there. After my dad passed and I went back to Seattle where I was living and was seeing my therapist, I remember the first time he told me, Amy, your family is dysfunctional. And that word dysfunctional was like more than I could handle at that time. But I remember thinking, well, maybe. And I started to move further around the circle, maybe to like three o'clock or even four o'clock. Okay, maybe my family's dysfunctional. And he recommended some things to read and some stuff for me to look at. And so I did. I read it. I looked at it. And I remember thinking, okay, wait, my family is dysfunctional. Not only just a little bit, my, my family's like kind of super dysfunctional. And I, my clock continued to move. I moved from four to five. And then even maybe down to six when I realized that, wait, I hate my family. Like a lot of these things that I, that I viewed as my problem were not my problem. And a lot of the things that I viewed as this was just me not being able to handle it or not being able to cope with it or things like that. Yeah, that's true. I wasn't able to cope with it, but I shouldn't have had to have coped with it. Like realizing that a lot of the situations going on were, were not healthy, were not great relational strategies and different things like that. And I got down to the bottom, the opposite of where I was at the top, which was, I love my family. Slowly that kind of, I don't know what you want to call it. Slowly that disillusionment happened or slowly that veil came off when I realized, wait, I, I don't think my family's amazing anymore. Actually, I might hate my family. And I remember getting to that point down at six where I hated my family. And I sat there for a long time. I would say I sat there for probably a year of I hate my family. And things started happening during that year that really was hard for my family, but were some of the best things that I could have ever done for myself. Um, I read a book called Healing the Shame That Binds You. And I was so excited about the things that I was learning in this book and the different aspects of family and the different things going on and the different feelings of shame and all that. And I remember telling my mom, mom, I like, I love this book and I, I really think you should read it. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking because my mom and I's relationship was a little different and I was thinking I wanted my mom to read it because of the relationship that she had with her own family, with her own family of origin. And I really thought that it would help her in her family of origin. I also thought it would help her understand my dad's family of origin a little bit more because they are incredibly shame-based. And I remember thinking this would really, really help her and because it was helping me so much. What I didn't realize or think about was that my mom would think about it as 
she was the problem. She was the cause of my problems and the shame that I was feeling in my life and the struggles that I was having in my life. And that's how my mom took it. And she took it as she was the problem and she was the reason that I was in therapy and all sorts of different things. And, and she told me that that's the day that she felt like I abandoned her. And, uh, she told my family that too. And that was really difficult to hear, um, that my mom felt like I was abandoning her. And it was a really hard day for my mom. It was a really, since then, she's felt like our relationship has been strained and it was a really difficult thing. But at the same time, that was one of the greatest things I could have ever read. And one of the greatest times in my life because I started to understand boundaries. I started to figure out where my mom ended and where I began. I started to figure out where my family ended and where I began. And I started to look at my own boundaries and my own feelings and my own life and really started to figure things out in my life. And I look at that time as a time of incredible growth. There were a lot of different boundaries I had to put in place so that I could learn to be myself and function and live and also not hate my family. (laughs) But I did sit in that period of hating my family for, I don't know, a good year, I would say. And in that time, I developed my own life. I started to develop things about myself that I loved. And I started to develop knowledge and skills and all sorts of relational strategies and different things. And I got sober. I got sober during that period of time. And that period of time was incredibly helpful for me. But also, during that period of time... My therapist asked me to do a lot of my own work. And I was doing a lot of work around family of origin. And I was looking at the bigger cycle, the bigger picture of what was going on in my family. And I started to, like, look at my family addiction map. And, you know, I had felt my entire life like... I was the exception to the rule. Like, my family was amazing, and I was the one that was crazy, right? And I was the one that couldn't handle things, and that it was my fault. But then I started to look at the bigger picture, and I started to make some connections. I have cousins that are sex addicts. In fact, I have cousins that are registered sex offenders. I also have cousins that have been to jail. I also have cousins that have been in abusive relationships. And I started to see this bigger picture. I have grandparents with addictive, I was going to say addictive tendencies, but no, I have grandparents that have had in the past addictive addictions, active addictions. Um, I I have a, a much bigger family picture of addiction and of shame and of trauma than I than I had recognized. And I started to move ever so slightly away from six, kind of moving up the other side of the circle, maybe to seven. And then I started to look at my parents and look at the trauma that they endured as children. And I started to move even further up to eight. And I recognized that my parents were doing actually amazing work um, and actually doing amazing things based on the trauma that they had endured. And I moved up to nine. 
And I started to realize that my parents and my family, they were doing the best that they could. Now, the best that they could might not still have been enough for me. The best that they could might still have caused some damage. But they were doing the absolute best that they could. And and then I started to realize that not only were they doing the best that they could, but there was actually some positive impact in my life. My parents had made positive contributions to my life. My siblings made positive contributions to my life. And I started to not view it as a either or, like they're either bad or they're good, or they're either horrible or they're perfect. And I started to realize that it wasn't an either or situation, that it could be an and, that it could be that my parents caused some problems for me and they did amazing things for me as a child. It could be my parents taught me amazing things and set a really great example in some areas. And there were some other areas where things were not so fantastic. And rather than live in the either or, I started to live in the and. And my I started to move back further around the circle. And I started to gain some love, more love and more appreciation and more empathy for what my family has been through, for who they are, for the coping mechanisms and the strategies that they developed because I developed some, so they developed some as well. And I started to really learn to love my family in a different way, and different than the the um, blinded loyalty love that I felt earlier, different than the you are all fantastic and I'm horrible. And I started to continue to move and, and move around that circle and gain appreciation and love and empathy for them. And I think the final kind of turn for me was when I had to really do my own step work around five, step four and five and six and seven and eight and nine. When we started to make amends, when we started to really look at our own character defects. And I got lost a little bit in the shame of my own character defects. And I realized that this cycle is something that I was working through about myself too. You know, I used to think I was kind of an amazing person, except I had this little bad habit. And then I started to realize I was at the top of the circle then. And then I started to realize, wait, my life is not what I necessarily think it is. And I went through that disillusionment process. And then I ended up down at six where I hated myself. I hated myself and I hated who I had become. And I hated what I was doing to other people. And then I sat there again for a long time. And through recovery, through doing my own work, I started to move. I started to realize that I was doing the best that I could. I started to realize that I can't talk and drive and cry at the same time. (laughs) That's not what I started to realize, but that's just a fact. I started to realize that my life wasn't all bad. And I started to realize that the relationships that I had were not all damaging And that there were good things that I had contributed to the world. There were really good things that I had contributed to the world. And that just because I had an addiction didn't mean that I had to write off my entire existence or my life as horrible, as 
um, not, you know, as damaging. I didn't have to do that. And I learned to start to forgive myself and start to love myself again. And start to realize that I could be an addict and and an amazing person. <laughs> that I could be in recovery and live an amazing life. And that it didn't have to be an either or scenario. It didn't have to be that way. It was that way for a while, but it didn't have to continue to be that way. And I started to open up my life to to different things and I started to really love myself and gain an appreciation for who I was and gain an appreciation for the awesome things that had happened in my life and that I had done in my life and as I did that for myself I started to be able to extend more empathy and more grace and more love to the people around me and And the awesome thing, the amazing thing, the beautiful miracle in all of that is that when I came full circle, when I came back to the point where I loved my family and I loved my relationships and I loved these people that were part of my life, it was different. It was a different love. It was a different type of relationship because I recognized that I could love them, but I didn't have to put up with the bad behavior. I didn't have to do what they told me to do all the time. I didn't have to I didn't have to listen to the negative things that they said. I learned that I could love them and I could still put boundaries in place that boundaries weren't about hating people, that boundaries were about loving people. Um, I learned so much more and I learned that the, the relationship was different. For some of those relationships, as I came around and I came full circle in those relationships, they weren't the same. You know, it wasn't the same. It was it can't ever be the same when you go around the circle. Because when you go around the circle, you start to learn things and that changes who you are and that changes your relationships. And I had to learn to let go of the, the I had to learn to let go of the idea that it was going to be the same, but that doesn't mean I had to let go of the relationship. I can let go of the idea that it won't be the same, but, and not, but it won't be the same and I can still have a relationship And with some of those people, though, some of the people in my life that I went around that circle with, we didn't come back to a relationship. And that's okay. Because we didn't need to. Because I recognized that the relationship wasn't beneficial for them or for me. For some of them, I came around that circle and the relationship was better. Way better than the other one. And I just kind of have learned that I just go around that circle. And it doesn't happen just once. It happens a lot, actually. I feel like it just happened recently with one of my brothers where I think that, you know, something is the way that it... I I start with I love my family and then I realize that there's something wrong and I become kind of disillusioned and I go down that side of the circle till I get to the bottom where it says, wait, I, I don't use hate anymore. I used to use hate. I don't hate my family, but... 
I say things or I hate my relationships. It's not all about my family, but I recognize that, wait, I need some space here. I need some time. I need to figure this out. I'm not okay with what happened. And that's kind of how I term it when I get to the bottom. I'm not okay with what happened. And so I really have to think about, okay, how, you know, what's the bigger picture? What's going on here? And then I try to start coming up the other side and I start to really look at that. And then I think, what's the boundary that needs to be in place? Because that anger that I feel or that hurt or that frustration or that's really about a boundary that probably needs to be in place that maybe I haven't had or I haven't been enforcing. And so I look at that and look at an opportunity for me to change, but it always comes full circle. And I, that's my message today. I I hope that this little analogy can give you some hope in your life because we do go through that period of time where we realize that the relationship is not what we thought it was and we become disillusioned and maybe you're to the point where you're on the way down or maybe you're at the bottom or maybe you're at the bottom and you're stuck and you don't know how to get back up or maybe you're still at the top but something doesn't feel right and you don't understand so I just wanted to provide some hope for you that there is a way around the circle that that does happen that you can go through that period of time and if you do the work and you keep staying engaged in the struggle and you try to figure things out and you take a step back and really look at what's happening, that you can continue to work around that circle till you come back to the top and where you can have healthy relationships again. And maybe you'll go through that circle a million times. I feel like I go through it all of the time and now I can do it faster. I didn't have to sit down at the bottom for a long time again. But the first time I did, and it it was okay, it's okay. It took me maybe a year, maybe even longer to kind of go through that and figure out what boundaries needed to be in place and how I needed to interact with people and, and really come to learn and appreciate who they are as people and what was going on and get out of that either or mindset. But it can happen. It does happen. It's happened for me. Every single time, every single time I stay engaged in the struggle and try to figure it out, I come full circle with a different appreciation of who that person is, of who I am, and how I can interact with them in a way that helps both of us. And I'm just really grateful for that. So that's my message today. I just want you to know that you can do it that there is hope and that you can sit at number six for as long as you need to, as long as you need to. And it's okay. It's all okay. So ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you have a fantastic day today. And I hope that no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how far you think you've gone, no matter the status of your relationships, whether they're all great or all horrible or somewhere in between, no matter where you're at in that circle and that process, you are worth recovery. 100% worth it. I know that. And if you don't, you can just rely on me until you do. Okay. I hope that you have a fantastic day. Till next time, Amy.
legal stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.